0: Hey, Kings fans, welcome back to another episode of LA Kings Corner, the podcast for the fans by the fans. It's Ryan Marvin here with Joshua Norris. We're recapping another great week of Kings hockey. Today is Sunday, November 26th. We're proud to have you join us and, uh, we we got a we got a little different start today you know we've had a great week there's a lot of good things coming uh the month of november has been super successful for the kings they're 8 and 2 this month with one more game to go to see what their 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 november total could be you know november's a special month to me josh i don't know if you've been noticing that i've been growing this unique facial feature on my face for those of you on youtube that can can see uh, or rumble uh you know movember is something that i've celebrated for the last little while and we've had some hockey news in the western conference from a contender that we'll face on saturday one of their top defensemen is going to be out of the lineup for um, some personal reasons josh you know this is something that that hits home for both you and i
1: yeah okay so i mean you you alluded to it here and uh so obviously we are a hockey podcast, We're a Los Angeles Kings podcast, first and foremost. Yes, that is the main dish of this podcast. However, when matters like this come up, this will always open the show because it's there's more important things to life than just a stupid game, right? So when things... Yes, we are a hockey podcast. That's why we wanted to do this. We want to do a hockey podcast because that's what we love. But we also are fully aware that it is just a game and... People matter more than just a game. So anyway, Samuel Gerard, 25-year-old kid. We talked about this on the show previously, Marv, where we were wondering if teams have a a psychiatrist or counselor or a therapist that goes on the road with them or whatever. And we kind of touched on this certain topic. But anyway, Samuel Gerard is taking a leave of absence from the Colorado Avalanche for a while. And uh, I have the quote here, and I just figured I'd read it. This is Gerard. I don't know if it was Instagram or Facebook or whatever. Some social. He posted this on his account. Gerard says, I have made a proactive decision to take care of my mental health and will be entering treatment for severe anxiety and depression that has gone untreated for too long and led to alcohol abuse. Taking care of your mental health is one of the o- utmost importance, is of the utmost importance, and I encourage everyone to speak up and seek help should you feel like you need it. I want to express my gratitude to my wife, family, friends, the club, my teammates, and the fans for their patience, understanding, and continued to support, and continued support. Okay, so... Samuel Gerard has gone into some personal problems and he's going to take a leave of absence from the game of hockey for a while. And I want to commend him for this somewhere along the line. He was aware that his mental state is way more important than a game of hockey. It's more important than a paycheck. So I want to put him over for that. But we'll say this, now, you know what? We talked about this before too, Marv, any decision that you make, that is the best for yourself that you might think is the best decision that you could make for yourself you don't have to explain yourself to anybody so i know he felt like he had to explain why he was taking his uh, leave of absence but then what happens is you know so it might feel good when you get that influx of comments and replies that say you know oh get well soon sammy uh you know, wish you all the best, uh, take care of yourself. And, uh, and everybody feels good about themselves because for a moment they get to think that they care about another person, right? And eventually that feeling that Sammy gets from all that love and support is going to fade. And, you know, it's just, it, it's all a work, man. As far as the replies and the comments, they, they get to think that they care about somebody. Like, do I care about Samuel Jordan? I don't know Samuel Gerard from Adam. Do I hope that he gets well? Yes, of course, but I don't like know him like that. And I'm not, this isn't the main topic of the discussion that I was trying to get at, but just saying you don't need to explain yourself. And now you've opened the door up for people to, when you come back, oh, that's the Samuel Gerard who had alcohol problems that you give, open the door for judgment. Now you may not, you can, somebody can say that they don't care about the judgment and that's fine, but it still opens the door. You don't have to explain yourself when it comes to something like this. Now, here's what I will say about this. When we're talking about a counselor or a therapist or a psychiatrist that might uh, join the team on the road or at home or whatever, just a team counselor, psychiatrist, therapist, they, when it comes to this specific problem, those type of professions can't do anything to cure what he's going through. The only thing that they can do is the same thing that theoretically you and I could do, Marv, which would be to point them in the right direction. Hey, go this way. That's the only thing that they can do. Now, when it comes to this, the depression and the anxiety part, which leads to an alcohol or drug problem, the depression and anxiety... Now, this is just my take on it. The depression and anxiety that one feels is an illusion, and it's a bit of a myth. It's all pixie dust. What's happening is the thoughts come in, that we can't control or that Samuel Gerard, in this case can't control. And now he's believed those thoughts and that, that those thoughts have convinced him that he has depression and anxiety and they've convinced him to turn to alcohol or drugs to try and take those away. Now, alcohol and drugs are very effective at that. That's what they do. That's the, that's the, that's the primary purpose that people use them to, uh, alleviate themselves of the thoughts which they cannot control. Right? So, I just, uh, I, the depression, anxiety, y- you've believed it. It's not real. And I understand it's not, I'm not coming down on Sammy. Sammy if Gerard has ever listened to this, I'm, it's not, I'm not coming down. On it. I relate to it. I understand. But just from my personal experience, strength and hope, let's call it. That's what I found. It's, it's not even just alcohol and drugs. People turn to alcohol and drugs because there is now, if people get mad at this, I don't quite care People turn to alcohol and drugs because there's a spiritual problem that resides in the mind. It's a spiritual sickness. That's why people say they need to take care of their mental health. It's a spiritual battle. And the reason that the depression and anxiety and then the subsequent alcohol or drug use is happening in the first place is because their spiritual fitness is declining rapidly. So I'll just throw it to you. you. Give me your take on that.
0: Yeah, I think you touched on a number of good things. Uh, a number of really important things first and foremost like the wave and ebb and flow of events like when somebody goes through this right like you're you're going to have that initial reach out of people like hey man you know get better you know take whatever time you need sort of thing but the you know the image then and your reputation then when you come back people how people look at you there's all these different things that you have to go through um you know some of the things that really resonated with me and the thoughts that I had while you were talking about that was, look, I think Movember for me has been a big, um, a big thing because we're raising awareness for not just men's health, but mental health. And I think as a male in our society, especially when you're a professional athlete, you're not supposed to have any chinks in the armor. Right. And so, a lot of times a way to kind of get around that and skirt that is to drown it out, right? Drown those, those voices out. But we know that in actuality, you know, from our experience, the alcohol and the drugs actually make it worse. And, you know, the other thing too, that I I think is something to be thought of and something that we're very fortunate for uh, LA Kings players and I've struggled when I get it, you know, when I've moved to the Northern States to, to play junior hockey or college hockey or whatever, like it took me forever to sit back and realize like, you know, the seasonal affective disorder is something that's real. It does impact people. I grew up in California, obviously played hockey there never had an issue, right? Because you're in the sunshine all the time because you wake up tomorrow, it's going to be 75 degrees, even if you have a rainstorm, right? But when you get up here where we're at, you know, in, in the north northern United States, well, guess what? The sun goes down at 4 o'clock. It gets up at 8 o'clock. You don't get to see a lot of the, you know, sunshine that you need, that vitamin D that you need to be super healthy. And I always wondered why, but, you know, the hockey was what kind of kept me healthy and kept me sane because you get that physical activity, you're getting those that community, all that kind of stuff. But then absolutely that winter sets in and what else is there to do in Bemidji, Minnesota? You know what I mean, or are these small towns in in New York or whatever? Um, so it it's really tough. And and I listened to a podcast, and I'd love to share this with our with our Kings fans out there because we love all these podcasts that are out there. You know, um, especially the the ones that are repping the Kings. I mean those those you guys are you know. It's it's a great thing, and there was one who is an iconic legend of of sports radio for years, Jim Rome. Um, he just started a podcast called the Reinvention uh, Podcast, right? He's trying to reinvent himself. So finding people to talk to that help can help kind of take that take that game to the next level, um, sort of thing. And and recently, episode seventy seven, he spoke with Brian Johnson, who Brian Johnson's the CEO and founder of. Um, heroic public benefit corporation. And, you know, I went through this coach program a couple of years ago, it helped kind of change my life around in a lot of different ways. And the way that he describes that anxiety and depression kind of creeping in and, and leading you to those vice over virtues, aspects is, there's a line, right, like in life and in a lot of things up and to the right. Up and to the right is the direction that we want business to go. We want performance to go. We want things to go in our life up and to the right. Well, guess what? Life isn't always perfectly up and to the right, right? There's going to be some steps and ups and downs along there. But the anxiety and depression creep into your life and they creep into high performers lives too, like this particular situation, when the best your best self and what you're capable of is here. And what you're actually being is here. And that gap between those two lines, what you're capable of and what you're being, that's where anxiety and depression live. And the book that he just came out with, Arate, ultimately means exit excellence, to live with excellence from moment to moment to moment. And so whatever we're doing, simply ask yourself, what would the best me do in this situation right now? The best me. And then do that, right? Because if we limit ourselves in any given moment from what we're capable of to what we're actually doing, that's when those negative things creep into our life. And when we're not living to our best self, when we're not doing what we're capable of doing, then that's when, hey, late at night, we're going to go hit the uh, pantry and maybe have a little sweet sweet that we shouldn't have Mm -hmm. or uh we're gonna go out and hit that in and out burger for that second time when we shouldn't or maybe it's a an extra glass right or or, you know a drink when we don't necessarily need it when we should be doing what the fundamentals are right eating moving sleeping breathing focusing Mm -hmm. prospering like all of those things and guess what man society doesn't want us to be healthy right because we're harder to control yeah you know what i mean so you know we obviously a long way from LA King success this week. But, you know, there's a lot of things that also that come into this too. anybody who's an LA, who's an LA King fan. If your kid's playing hockey, you need to be aware of this. If they move away to play junior hockey somewhere where it's a little bit colder, a little bit darker, make sure you're checking in on them. You know what I mean? Make sure they're getting the proper things that they need. Um, Even in, uh, even in SoCal, you know what I mean? The winters are harder. They're a little bit darker. You know what I mean? Make sure you're checking in with yourself, make sure you're doing the right things. You know what I mean? Like, and I think the ultimate thing, like when I sport this mustache, my wife doesn't necessarily like it. I think it looks cool. Maybe like a little Ted Lasso-esque, but, um, but at the end of the day, you know, let's raise awareness for men's health because, hey, masculinity is not dead, dude. Masculinity is, is important. We need more, more masculine men. But obviously, being masculine mean, means being willing to stand up and realize that you're not being what you're capable of being. So you need to take a step to make sure that you are.
1: Sure, sure. There's a lot in that. And that's all good stuff, Marv. Uh, just to touch on what you said there at the end about raising awareness. Raising awareness is great. And it's, uh, it's something that should be done. Um, however, in the end, raising awareness just it raises awareness. Well, whatever whatever uh, utility that is, that's all, that's all well and good. At the end of the day, uh, it's our path to walk. It's each owns individual path to walk. There's nobody else out here but you. And when you, when we, I lay my head to rest at night, it's only me and whatever it is that I believe. That's it, right? So it's it is a uh, it is up to. I want to say it's entirely. It is up to Samuel Gerard, I guess, in this case, and he is being proactive. So I'm going to put him over for that. Uh, but it is his path to walk, and it's not going to be the replies or the comments that get him through that might make him feel good temporarily. This is all his path. Now, on the, uh, the weather thing uh, or the environment thing is actually, well, it, it's a good point, actually. And I, for whatever reason, for the longest time, I sort of, I sort of buried it and I thought it was a myth. Uh, but look at the statistics somewhere in like Seattle where the suicide rates are abnormally high up there. And well, they don't get a lot of sun. Right. So that is, there is something to, you know, living in places where it's a little darker than it is lighter. Now make go as far down this rabbit hole as you wish, but the light trumps the darkness and the light will always supersede the darkness. So that's what somebody like Samuel Gerard, someone like me, any other people that have gone through it, that's what we're looking for. We're looking for the light. That's all we're looking for. So, um, I forget uh, there was something else you threw in there that I wanted to touch on, but it's eluding me right now. But I think that, I think that um, just, I am going to want to reiterate the one point is that yes, we love the Los Angeles Kings and yes, we love hockey, but, and when I make the point about, you know, I don't know Samuel Girard from Adam, you know, it's not that I, I could care less about what happens to him. I'm, I'm just saying that um, it, it's, it's, it's 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 our own path to walk, you know, it's, everyone's their own individual, so uh, I do hope, wish Sammy the best, and uh, I hope he gets on the ice soon, I and mean, it's interesting, oh, here's the one thing I wanted to say, when you are talking, that was all good stuff about the Romy podcast, and the linear, you know, going um, that, that line to the right, yep. so it's so interesting, when you have a guy like Gerard, or anybody in the NHL, for that matter, who's going through what he's going through, you make the show, you get the paycheck, and yet there's still that gap about what i could be that is creating the sort of anxiety and depression that they think that they have and so this is so this is all the expectations don't stop even at the highest level which is very interesting to think about because the millions of dollars roll in the uh the fame rolls in you've accomplished your goal even you had a goal to make the show now you make the show now the expectations continue to increase so i guess this is what i'm saying is what would it look like for any individual to yeah I mean you want to you want to be the best version of yourself but what would it look like if me or any individual rid themselves of those expectations and therefore that there is no gap without that expectation there's no gap there so i'm just wondering what your thoughts are on that
0: yeah i think um i had mentioned that uh I watched the ESPN documentary on the Angels player. Um, Otani, yeah, Otani. I mean, and dude, that was amazing, man. Like watching that guy talk and watching him at a young age map out a dream board with all these key goals. He wanted to be drafted by eight teams, and how was he going to do those things? Boom, 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 boom. And each around each goal was another thing. And like over the course of his career, to to do the things he's doing as this two way player in today's day and age, pitcher and power hitter in the in the major in the major leagues, like are you kidding me? Right, nobody's done this. But um, you know, I think there's some concern like that you get burnt out at some level. Like, what do you keep on chasing when you become the best? Well, I think that's just life at the end of the day. Right. And when what we're trying to do, when we're becoming our best, and obviously we're going to have step backs, you're going to take two step forward, two step back, and sometimes three steps back. And you're going to have to crawl for a little while before you can get back to where you were. That's just life. You know what I mean? That's what happens. And there's no perfect linear pathway to being your best self. But the, the goal, I think ultimately is, is that we want to, turn our previous best into our new baseline, right? So as we take those strides and we're closing that gap day in, day out between where we're at and where we're capable of being, then that becomes our new baseline. And then the next level of what you're capable, because ultimately the human performance and human ability is capped strictly by yourself in a lot of ways. Yeah. We, we, we cap it on ourselves, right? So as you improve and you raise that baseline, now you're you're seeing oh dude that okay now I'm here wow there's more up there you know what I mean there's another level and then when you create that base as your baseline oh my gosh there's another level what we're capable of is is, is it's amazing man there's there's so many things on this world that just it, it blows my mind but the power of focus is one thing that I think is gone away because it's a distracted society, right? Everybody's getting pinged and notified and dinged on their social media and it's distracting us from what we're capable of doing. So, um I don't know if I answered your question, but I did want to touch on the light over the dark. And I wanted to ask you a question. Do you think and there's obviously different people talk about, do you think our job or what we are, are we the light or are we the vessel to which the light shines through?
1: And our job is to just stay plugged in great question uh it feels what would you say narcissistic maybe or even solipsistic to say that i am the light i would never say that i am the light i would say there is a light and that's what we're looking for and that light is what transcends the darkness um can the light shine through somebody like you or i uh when dealing with somebody that that might need the help. All we can do, possibly, I want to say yes to that. But all again, all we can do, we can't cure anybody of anything. That that is off the table. We can't cure anybody of anything of anything what they're going through. What we can do is point them toward the light. That's all we can do. That's all any the the psychiatrist, the therapist, the counselors. That's all they can do. They might, maybe, they can find a more effective way to do that. Maybe that. I mean, that actually should be the primary goal of engaging in one of those professions, anybody can do it Well, maybe not anybody can do it, but it's possible that, you know, you're put in a situation where you come across somebody and you have, you don't know them from Adam, as I've said, and they they somehow point you toward the light. Am I the light? I would say no.
0: Yeah. And I think our job is to just like, uh, and this is a question, I can't remember who, who, who had this quote, like, I think they're, you know, I think they were saying or suggesting that we're the vessel, you know, we're like a light bulb, right? We've got to try to find a way to stay, you know, turned into that socket so that the light can shine out, right? And when we get disconnected, like maybe Sammy Girard did, right? Where he's disconnected from his soul and the soul isn't shining through because of these other things, these outside extrinsic things that are coming in and causing him this anxiety, depression, and alcoholism. um, He's got to find a way to get himself plugged back in, right?
1: sure last last point we are our own world everything is within right all these uh the outside world is not anything that we have to be concerned about it's all within we kind of we create our own world with the thoughts that we listen to the thoughts that we believe and whatever it is that we believe internally will manifest itself externally so yes you're totally right i think i mean that I want to say this is speculation, but I think you hit the nail on the head. It's that, well, people, they know, that are going through what Sammy's going through have become disconnected. And that's, that's the way out. That's the pathway out. Reconnected. Seek the light. Yeah. I love it, dude. I love it.
0: It's such a great thing. It's a, it's an important time of year. And, uh, and you know, I think how lucky we are to, uh, to be talking about this right now and, and to, um, and to be talking about LA Kings hockey, there's there's one thing that's for sure. It's it's there's a lot to be grateful for. It's been Thanksgiving week. One thing I tell you, what uh, is my favorite thing is when we go into Anaheim and we take out the take the W. Yeah. Um, no, not much better than that. On the day after Thanksgiving, on on Black Friday, the uh, LA Kings going to Anaheim and put one to the Ducks. Um, but let's jump back to the twentieth, right before Thanksgiving. Uh, Phoenix, we went over to Phoenix, and uh, Kings, Kings took it to them pretty good, four to one. Um, I'm trying to think back to that games. It seems like it was so long ago. But right. Phoenix Copley, Phoenix Copley played fantastic. Man, he needed that so bad. Um, was there anything that stood out to you, just kind of reflecting on on that game in particular? Yeah.
1: Um, the first period was real lackluster, actually, and I thought we were fortunate to get out of that first period up 2-0. What what happened was two of our players made great plays with uh, Trevor Moore shorthanded, I believe it was. Just oh, that was pink, so pink, pretty. Goes up. That offensive bag that Trevor has, again, pause, is just, I want to say it's elite. I've mentioned this on the show before, but Trevor is just, and then we'll get to his goal he scored it against Montreal. Um, but then the byfield goal really kind of rivals the, uh, the tic-tac Kaliev of I think. That was just such a sick play by Biofeed and we were able to get up 2-0. But we did play a lackluster period. I think we gave up, uh, what, three or four breakaways. They hit a pipe, I think, maybe even two. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Then the, the second period, again, it is it does feel like ages ago. Uh, they got up three, right? And I was saying uh, when I was doing the live stream for that, when I was doing the watch along, um when they get up 3-0 and you're in Arizona, you're playing a road game, and the game is really choppy. You can simplify the game now. I know that we're capable of running it up, but you can actually simplify this game and you can cross the red and put it in deep and you can glow glass and out and you can ice the it when necessary. And you can play a very boring style if you really want it. And I thought that we should have just because the way the game was going. And then, uh, towards the end of the period there, start strong. it'll start strong. As you say, Marv in the first two minutes and end strong in the last two minutes. Uh, I think they may have scored with about three minutes left, but be that as it may, uh, I, I thought we were trying to press late on in that period, and then we ended up conceding a goal. And it was it was a hypothetical situation. Now we're up two goals that we could have been in for a wild third period. Um, fortunately, that didn't happen. Dubois had a chance to ice that game. Uh, he rang one off the bar. Yeah. Um, but then left uh, Leferier, another sick goal, basically end to end. Beats that guy, head up all the way, finds Deno LeBou, 4-1, and uh, it was a good night, Yotes. But I think the major takeaway, as you already stated, was the pressure was on Copley that game, and he came through in a big way. He did. Oh, it
0: was so good. So good. Such a great recap of that game. Uh, you were exactly right. Uh, a couple things. Trevor Moore, shorthanded goal. Oh, huge what a oh my gosh what a beautiful goal that was that was so pretty his hands beautiful play by by byfield trevor moore picks that puck out of the air and then does another you know great has scores another goal they did score that goal like you said with a minute uh, minute five left in the second um to make it a two-goal game which we obviously know like two goal leads the worst lead in hockey right um and then uh we were able to get one late in the third with deno And it was kind of one of those goals. Like it was a really, it was a nice goal. Um, like great individual effort by Laferriere, but I was kind of hoping that uh, it would get to the point where they maybe pulled the goalie and then Trevor got out there to, to get a hat trick sort of yeah. thing. But um, Holy smokes. That was also, uh, was that the first night that they had changed the lines um, or, or did we, I think that they changed the lines against Anaheim, where they bumped Grundstrom up, and we had talked about this, right? Did was Grundstrom able to work himself up because it seemed like he'd been playing so well?
1: Mm-hmm. I think uh, because yeah, was that the first? I can't remember. Against the Blues is when they had that tic tac toe Dubois Kaliev goal, and I think they changed it. I think they may have changed it in the Yotes game, uh, but anyway, as it pertains to Carl Grundstrom. Yeah. it was nice to see that the Kings have sent a message that you can play your way up through the lineup. Um, it was strange though to me that they decided to switch the lines immediately after that beautiful goal that Dubois Kaliev orchestrated. That was a little bit strange, but I do like the fact that Carl Grunstrom could play his way up the lineup. I think it sends a message throughout, you know, the third and fourth lines in particular where, Hey, look, if you perform, you can increase your ice time. That's nice to know. And, um, Grosstrom had a ripper against Montreal, but we'll get to that game in a, in a second.
0: Yeah, really, really good. Uh, good performance there uh, for the Kings against Phoenix. Um, I'm trying to think if there was anything else that stood out to me. There was, I think, one instance, and this is where I think we talked about: are the Kings, are they tough enough? Uh, there, you know, Gavrikov gets suckered right in front of the right in front of the net by. Oh gosh, who is Anaheim's kind of goon? Um, that bearded—he's uh, like a bearded, Goudis. like Irish guy or whatever. Is it Racco Gudis? Not Gudis. No, he—that's uh—that's the Ducks. Okay. Um, anyways, he kind of suckered the—you know—the bearded guy kind of suckered uh Gavrikov, and and I'm telling you what, man, I, I was just like, we have nobody to answer that bell. We have nobody to go out there and say, hey, you can't do that. Or for instance, like the week before, when um when Lazat gets not he gets stepped up on in the neutral zone. And we were talking about this before, like all the all these fights, these melees that are going on, in most instances are after like a clean, big open ice check. Clean hits are okay. But a hit like on Lazat, who, I mean, Lazat's been playing great hockey, dude. He's been leading our fourth line. I mean, the game was 5 nothing at that time when he gets leveled in the neutral zone. And now he's been out for three games with concu- in concussion protocol. I think it was Bertuzzo that stepped up and hit him in the neutral zone. And nobody did a thing. Nothing. Yeah. And that's the time when you need to do something. I think the other thing, too, I'm wondering is, like, from an NHL perspective, you know, if we have a hit where it's maybe if it doesn't get called, um, does it not mean that there couldn't be some sort of review on that, especially if a guy's out multiple games with a concussion?
1: Well, definitely should go to review, right? Any hit that results in an injury should be an automatic review, even if it's not called. I definitely agree with you there. Um, why nobody's... T- yeah, all the fights, all the scrums seem to happen after clean hits, and then Lazat gets hit up high, he's in a concussion question protocol, and then nobody does anything about it. That's very strange, um, as you were saying. So this is interesting. When we get... when we progress through these games here throughout the week, uh, our tone might change a little bit, but you have a guy like Lazat who is hurt as a byproduct of that hit. Now is the time that you would step up and go, Hey, you can't do that to one of our guys, especially in a five nil game. As you said, where when a five nil, when it's five nil like that, you suspect the hit has a particular amount of malice to it. And, you know, I I don't know. I mean, we have guys that have answered the bell or maybe one guy in particular, but uh, I don't know, maybe he didn't get his opportunity or I I have no idea. I have no idea why uh, no one stepped in on that, on the hit on Lazar. I'm not sure. Um, Anyhow, Zoom screen sharing is kind of a shit show. But anyway, did you get anything out of that clip?
0: Yes, I did. It was, uh, you know, Louis. Louis was getting Louis was getting pressured on the wall. He had to get the puck out. He saw Lazat didn't have didn't have a chance to see Bertuzzo within, you know, within a, a stick length. Really stepping up on on Lazat. Lazat got nailed, dude. That was a. It's exactly what you know back in the day you know, it's a buddy pass, a sucker pass, whatever you want to call it, like, you just don't give those guys, mostly from a defensive standpoint, you don't give those guys passes up the middle like that. Um, you're going to get their head taken off. And that's what happened to Lazat. You know, he was overextended. It was a little bit out of his range. And, I mean, in all honesty, you know, Bertuzzo, he took liberties at a guy who was maybe a little bit in a defenseless position, right, because it was kind of a sucker pass. And I don't even know if he was able to get a touch on that puck. So to me, like that's a situation where, hey, dude, like you need to be responsible for what position you're putting yourself into as a player. Right. No matter what you do. So Lazat's responsible for that. But bertuzzo's all, he's got a you know, he's got a responsibility too, to to uh, to be conscientious of of a hit that's going to take a guy's head off. Um, so I'm a little bit pissed off that nobody did anything about that, especially since he went back down the hall and didn't come back.
1: Yeah, right. And Nick on the broadcast was saying it was possible it was a little bit late. You're right about putting. I mean, we talk about a lot, a lot about this. Tobias Bjornfor, another example, putting yourself in a bad position, and uh, <laughs> Bjornfor quite literally got his head taken off. And there was a hit on Blake Lazat right there. Here's one thing I'll say, and I'm not about. I'm not gonna. I'm not saying this. I'm not about to call another player in the national hockey league chicken shit but it's real easy to step up and level a guy like blake lazat as opposed to leveling a guy like uh dubois a big body or kaliev or somebody who you know you might take some brunt of that too it's real real easy to line up blake lazat and run him over um so i don't know it, <laughs> he's making a play but that's real easy to do, right? Five, nothing, you know, five,
0: nothing hockey game. Yeah. It's, it's like nine minutes left in the third, like pretty bush league, If you ask yeah, me, it's
1: completely unnecessary. And you're hitting the smallest guy on the ice. Good for you, bud. Yeah.
0: Total dick move. Um, but the Kings did great. You know, they won that game. Uh, they, oh my God, they just pumped St. Louis, dude. Uh, they pumped St. Louis. They pumped, uh, Phoenix, so five, one, four, one, five, two, and then um four, nil. four nothing. So the Kings have given up a combined four goals against in the last four games. That's pretty, pretty impressive. And then I think on the scoring side, you know, five goals, four goals, five goals, four goals. So, you know, just under 20 goals, 18 goals in the last four games. So, 18 goals and and four and four goals against. That's elite-level hockey. Holy holy smokes, man. Are you kidding me right now?
1: Yeah, it really is. And uh, here's just an overall takeaway from Phoenix, Anaheim, and Montreal. We'll get to each individual game. Here's the takeaway. Get a team like Phoenix and Anaheim and Montreal and any elite team is looking at these games going, that's six points that we have to take. And the Kings took all six points emphatically, right? We kind of pump showed every single one of those teams and Corey and I were talking about, uh, on the way home, we're going, even the 2012 cup run team, let's just take, take the playoffs out of it, take the cup out of it. The 2012 regular season team who eventually went on to win the Stanley cup, they would have found a way they may have won, but they would have found a way to struggle in one of those games. And, This new rendition of Los Angeles, the Los Angeles Kings, didn't struggle hardly at all outside of the first period against Phoenix. There was no struggle. It was just a uh, we're not just beating teams. We're really lighting these teams up. Uh, So that's I can't remember a, a Los Angeles Kings hockey team that's that's been like this it's so
0: fun to watch, man. It's so fun. Like when we have a delay between games between Saturday and Wednesday, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I want to watch them play again. You know what I mean? It's so fun to watch right now. How much fun was it to be at that game on Saturday? You know, original 16 Montreal Canadians, obviously there's a lot of history there. The last, you know, the first time the Kings made it to the Stanley cup finals in 92, 93, the old, uh, the old Habs beat the Kings with Gretzky and against Wah, And they, They may have stole that one with the Marty McSorley illegal curve and amongst other things, but, um, how, how great was it to be there? And was there anything to you that really stood out? I mean, obviously we're super blessed to be right there on, on the ice. Um, what was that like this weekend?
1: Well, well, first of all, the, the one o'clock game is Epic. Give me all the day games you can give me. Right. So, but being in the building and obviously, yeah, as you said, Montreal is coming to town. Here's a quick digression from that with the, uh, Winning the two Stanley cups has really alleviated all the the past painful memories. And with Montreal in particular, <laughs> yeah. as you were saying, yep. Jordan! right. Oh. I used to look back on that and I would feel like some sort of emotion about it. And now I look back at that and it makes me laugh, right. Cause we have two cups. So the two cups have really wiped the slate clean of all those, all the painful memories of the past, but anyhow. So yeah, Montreal, original six team comes in. I always love going to those games. Uh, Whether it's Toronto or Chicago or whoever it is, Boston, because even though there's even though there's times, particularly in the past, where if an original six team comes into the building, we it might seem like we're outnumbered fan wise because all the Toronto fans would come down. I know there's so much blue in the crowd, right? But the atmosphere is electric now. This particular game, I mean, there was a packed barn on a Saturday at one o'clock, there's a sellout crowd, so that was nice to see. Um, but it wasn't as electric because Montreal is has some difficulties. They got some nice young talent and there was some Montreal fans there, but they weren't particularly uh, as rowdy or as obnoxious as I would like them to be. Cause I, I like when fans come in or, you know, they make it a rivalry game, stuff like that. Uh, it was nice. You know, one of the reasons I went, one of the reasons I do I pick and choose or not pick and choose, I go to the games where I can go to is because there's an opposing player coming in or there's a team that I would like to see. And Cole Caulfield is one of those guys who I would, I wanted to see play um they didn't do a lick of anything they didn't do one iota uh but it was nice to see it's just so we are privileged and i was so grateful to be there because yeah when stoppage is a play or there's a commercial timeout here comes caulfield uh, skating down to our corner and i'm literally from me to you to a guy like cole caulfield or nick suzuki and it's like this is a, so amazing is yeah.
0: well and then uh i think Corey had had made mention that 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 last goal that Trevor Moore scored, he was he ke- basically came right out of the corner and um you know showed some great hands and was able to kind of shovel that one in in short side. Can you help me understand like how that looked up close like that?
1: I, Corey says he did it on purpose. I, I think the jury is out on that. I mean, I, I think I think he may have done that on purpose. There's a you know Allen is playing, he's covering the post right because Trevor could walk out there if he really wanted to. So he's trying to hug that post, but there's a short little window in there. There's a short little opening that is available and the sauce has to be perfect. And Trevor does that little, you know, one stick handle, he gets his on his backhand, and just a light little sauce right into that open window. It goes off and Allen and into the net. It was one of the sickest things. one Probably one of the sickest goals I've ever seen Trevor score, which by the way, now our leading goal scorer is number 12, Trevor Moore.
0: How amazing is that? That's amazing. Yeah. You know, Toronto's looking back and, and wondering, you know, they traded away Trevor Moore and and Carl Grunstrom for Drew, you know, Jake Muzzin and and Kyle Clifford, which I mean, at the time I was a good trade. But now, you know, Muzzin and Clifford are done and we're sitting here with a prime Trevor Moore, which, you know, I got a chance to play with Trevor's dad growing up. Your dad, your dad would take me out to the Wednesday night skate, the Gambino skate there um, in Thousand Oaks at the beginning, and then obviously in, in Simi Valley. Um, and Trevor's dad was always one of the hardest working guys out there. I mean, just ripped and in great shape, and was always hustling and, and after loose pucks. And my dad, I think my dad coached Davey more, um, and said that he always had a great work ethic, and you see that in Trevor. And, you know, I'm thinking, okay, if his dad was a specimen at whatever, 48, 40 to 50 years old, then are we just are we just getting into the best years of what's to come with Trevor Moore?
1: It's possible. Corey, I mentioned Corey again, Corey was saying that there was a time back in the day where a guy like Trevor Moore wouldn't see the ice in the NHL. Maybe he's right about that. Maybe he's not. Not sure. It doesn't matter anyway. Here he is, right, in the modern-day NHL and just thriving I think a big part of his success this year is the full recovery from his concussion. This is interesting. We we talk every Sunday we talk about Trevor Moore on the podcast. Every Sunday we talk about him because he's just out there doing good things. Um, so yeah. Um, but yeah that 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 goal was that goal is so sick. And um, I had one other point I wanted to make about about Trev, but again it's I, I've forgotten it. But um, we'll end up cutting this out. But yeah, Trevor Moore is uh leading goal scorer Uh, thinking about him being a leading goal scorer among all the skill that we have on the team it talks about, uh, the something that we'll get to is how deep of a team we actually are.
0: Yeah. Super deep. I think one of the interesting stats that, uh, was brought up by Russell Morgan, uh, on Twitter or no, sorry, Blake Ware. um, Blake Ware, who he had posted that the Kings are the sixth team in NHL history to have 17 players with six plus points through the first 19 games of the season. That's an interesting stat. I'm not sure, you know, that's some money ball type stuff, right? Um, Looking in that like 19 games through the season, you know what I mean? But only six teams have had 17 players, but that I think goes to one of the points that we wanted to make today was just how deep the team is. Even when you get a, you get an injury with a Lazat or or Victor Arvidsson, for instance, and the team is still so deep. And I really think it's even deeper because we have guys that are simmering, that are marinating in the American Hockey League, who could potentially be superstars in this league. You know, Brent Clark, you know turcotte potentially um
1: Fagemo five, scored a lot of goals
0: Fagamo yeah. scored a lot of goals in the american hockey league i mean so it's pretty awesome to see what we're seeing right now um from our from our team up front and then obviously our our, our d core now there was some r- grumbling that uh and some rumors floating around out there that that uh and I don't want to, I don't know if I necessarily want to start talk about this because things are so good, right? But I think that if it's the elephant in the room, um, if you've got Brant Clark waiting in the wings and Jordan Spence is playing so well, Matt Roy is obviously playing so well, Drew Dowdy's looking like he's rejuvenated and he's got a little bit more gas in the tank. Um, does Matt Roy uh, how do you do? You pay. How can you pay Matt Roy enough money to be a king next year? Is this is last last year of his contract.
1: Allegedly, the way that people are talking about it, that that seems to be the case. Uh, I guess suppose why you look that up. Uh, well, you find a way to pay a guy like Matt Roy. I think. I don't. I don't know what measures you have to take in order to do that. But uh, I think. Did we say this on the last podcast? Maybe we said it on the watch along with you, and, uh, Julesy, and I. Uh, but with all the talk about Jordan Spence and how good he's playing and he is playing good. And I'll, I'll you know, I'm trying to find ways to, um, I'm trying to find ways to denigrate Jordan Spence so that we can get Brent Clark up there, but he's not giving me any reasons to do that. Uh, he's playing real good, especially on the on the last pair with Andreas England. And they're still finding ways to be competent. Um, But there are more Matt Roy's than there are Jordan Spence's. And, well, we're going to get into something that we've talked about a lot. Whereas back in the day, uh, teams were clamoring and had a desperate need for an offensive defenseman. And when they landed an offensive defenseman, whether it be through trade or free agency, that was considered a big win. Now you flip-flop it on itself in the modern-day league where there is a lot of offensive defensemen and less stay-at-home, stable, do-your-job defensemen. So we have one of those guys in number three, Matt Roy. And we have a bunch of gifted offensive defensemen already, so I don't know what you have to do to retain Matt Roy, but Blake's going to have to move some pieces around and find a way to keep him because, as far as I can tell, or as far as I'm concerned, Matt Roy and Vladislav Glavikov are our top pair, and to uh, to dismantle that because you quote-unquote can't find a way to pay him, I think would be a mistake.
0: Mm such a tough situation to be in yeah. he's in the last year of his of his contract he's making 4.2 million this year with a 3.15 million dollar cap hit like that's a great deal on a great defenseman man i mean holy smokes he could definitely get himself up into that five million dollar range um very easily on yeah. the open market um interesting the kings got up against the ducks they got up pretty handedly uh took a four nothing lead in the second period the uh ducks called the timeout and uh their coach must have said something because it got a little chippy after that did you notice that about that game
1: yeah they came out right after the timeout and smoke lewis right yeah and so this is interesting when we're talking about the hit on lazat from bartuzo um and nobody answered the bell in this particular case somebody answered the bell straight away and it was Andreas England who came in and was it Sam Carrick that made the hit on Lewis? Well, England came in and really piss pumped that kid. Uh, so much so that on the watch a lot, Marv, you were concerned that he broke his hand. He was in the, in the penalty box, ice in his hands. And we were concerned yeah. about that, but somebody did answer the bell. And moreover, another guy answered the bell. Uh, and Adrian Kempe with that open ice hit, I know you wanted to touch on that. That was, there's a clean hit that actually didn't result in a, in a scrum, thankfully. Um, But that's a nice little, that's something about Adrian Kempe uh, that we talk about all the time is that that Adrian Kempe has a little piss and vinegar, a little sandpaper to his game. And he's not just going to take shit from anybody. So that was a beautiful hit. And I think it may have been the same guy that hit Lewis. I'm not sure. Correct me if I'm wrong about that. But you know what? It wasn't the guy that hit Lewis. It was Vetrano who slew footed Pierre-Luc Dubois behind the net. That's right. Right. And after
0: the slew foot to PLD, Uh, Mikey Anderson came over over and actually took out two guys in the corner. And there was a big I think there was a big melee and and quite a few guys in the box. So interesting. It was nice to see. I mean, do you think that do you think that something was said that that video was played of Lazat? Hey, here's a guy who gets laid out in a five nothing hockey game and nobody does anything. You know what I mean? We have got to stand up for one another.
1: Yeah, it's possible. It's also possible sometimes you don't get the opportunity that you're looking for when you're looking to answer the bell. Sometimes that just happens. The message after the Lazat hit could have been, we already got one guy hurt. Let's not not go start melees and get another guy hurt. That could have been the message. I'm not sure. It's all speculation. We're not on the bench, right? We're not in the room, but we don't know. But what did happen was we didn't answer the bell, and then we did answer the bell. So it's entirely possible that was a point of contention with Todd McCullough going into the Ducks game. So – uh, it was nice to see multiple guys answer the bell with the slew foot and Mikey Anderson goes over. Even Drew Dowdy came flying back into that pile. Uh, so he was hot about something. And then obviously the England fight or he <laughs> for, for all intents and purposes broke his hand over that guy's helmet. <laughs> he and, was uh, just feeding that guy. And one, uh, again, we don't want to want to go too long here, but what we were talking about in the watch along was if two guys agree to a fight, I understand I want to protect the heads of the bouncing of the ice when two guys get in an altercation. But when it's two guys consenting to a fight, they should be allowed to take their buckets off, in my personal opinion, because you're going to, one, there's the face shield there where you can cut your hand wide open. And then there's the other aspect where you can hit a guy's helmet and really break your hand anyway. Um, Now, when we talk about that, when we bring up those two points, I feel like the people in charge of the NHL will go, well, how about we just take out fighting of the game completely, right? Which I think is what a point that you made on the on the watch along.
0: Yeah, yeah, they're, they're, in, they're unintended consequences, right? So by them um, <clears throat> mandating that all players who enter the league have to wear a half show, that has unintended consequences for fighting on the game, right? Um, and then obviously the helmets have gotten better um guys don't necessarily want to take their helmets off but you know what i mean it's you know these guys are fighting on their skates it's a lot of times when you see or when you saw players that would fall and hit their head it was the guys who were who were amateurs that didn't fight all the time that really didn't know what they were doing they were going out there to try to make a name for themselves or do something to you know earn a spot when you watch those classics those those Rockham Sockham hockey videos with Don Sherry, when you got Bob Probert and Ty Domi going toe to toe or a three and a half minute scrap between Marty McSorley and Bob Probert I mean those were the days when those guys were well respected the game you know players were respected because they knew if you did something stupid you had to answer you had to answer for it mm-hmm. okay you weren't just going to get to skate around like a uh, a lunatic out on the ice you know what I mean and and running everybody um, obviously you know there's a definite place for 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 policing of the game by the players i firmly believe that the the officials and and the league you know at at every level they're going to try to police it as best they possibly can but it's also a mutual level of respect that has to be had hey we're going to put our best foot forward you're going to put your best foot forward within the confines of the game we're not trying to you know what i mean we're not trying to end anybody's career here like we want to see a good product on the ice the hard part is is that when you take a roster spot like toronto did with reeves who you know he may be a good hockey player uh he's he's definitely filling a need for them which is to make sure that everybody knows that nobody's going to touch matthews and marner and Tavares and you know what i mean all these guys nobody's going to touch those guys um but that also takes one roster spot away from somebody who can play the game maybe at a little bit higher level
1: yeah for sure um and then there's also the element that whilst Toronto has a guy like Ryan Reeves, and let's say hypothetically, something does happen to a Marner or a Matthews or a Nylander. Uh, the, the, the odds that people are going to put a player out there while Reeves is on the ice is kind of negligible, I think. Yeah. Uh, so like, if we're, I mean, if you want to put, I think we mentioned this on the podcast before where if you want to put Reeves out there against a Leon Draisaitl and, um, and Connor McDavid, go for it. Please do it, you know, because Brian Reeves can can get in on the forecheck every now and then, but his numbers aren't great. The analytics on him aren't great. So that is a bit of a catch-22. I do like the – at the end of the day, I do like the presence of a guy like Reeves, but uh, when he's on the ice, or not even just Revo, but a guy like him – they tend to be liabilities out there, especially in this day and age. So it's a bit of a catch-22. Like, what do you do with uh, with wanting that presence, wanting to make sure that you protect your superstars, but also you don't want to throw anybody over the boards that can't play in the league, really?
0: Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, big game this week against Washington. I think I'm not sure where the Capitals stand in the overhaul standings. But I think uh, anybody who gets a chance to go and be in an L.A. corner or any of the Kings fans that are going to be in attendance or watching that game, um, we're witnessing history. Alex Ovechkin's getting closer and closer to Wayne Gretzky's goal goal record, which I mean, in all honesty, it's hard to fathom in today's day and age in the game of hockey that we see today as tightly contested and as tightly defended as we've seen it. The goal, you know, goaltenders pads have gotten better. Video's gotten better. Team team defense has gotten better. And this guy still finds a way to put the puck in the net at a world-class level at a hall of fame level. And Alexander Ovechkin will be in the building on Wednesday. It would be great to see. Obviously, grandma will be uh, watching. Grandma Sue's always has always loved TJ Oshie from our days in Minnesota hockey camps when he first got drafted by the St. Louis Blues when he was coming out of Warroad High School in War Road, Minnesota um and tj oshu will be in the building as well but obviously it's going to be a big game for the kings i think uh, it's their last game in november and like i said they were and 2 it'd be nice to see them finish with two in the month of november to celebrate our mustaches men's health mental health, wellness and and uh all those good things um josh can you tell people where to find us where to join us
1: yeah absolutely okay so uh instagram.com slash la kings quarter will be a place that will put clips of this episode and all the episodes up on the Instagram, but you can also find the actual podcast in the bio of the Instagram. That's Instagram.com slash LA Kings corner. Twitter.com slash LA Kings corner is also where you can find the podcast in that bio, but there's a lot of new things we're doing on our Twitter account. Twitter.com slash LA Kings corner is where you can find the watch alongs, which I'm going to, you know, I got the time, so I'm going to do them and whoever else joins joins, but Twitter.com slash LA Kings corner for just any uh, spur of the moment takes, but all the watch alongs will be on Twitter. Twitter.com slash LA Kings Corner. Rumble.com slash LA Kings Corner is also where we put the watch alongs. And I think I'll put the, uh, eventually I'll put the video episodes of these podcasts on Rumble as opposed to YouTube. But that's Rumble.com slash LA Kings Corner. Um, if you want, again, all of these avenues, all the Twitter, Instagram, Rumble, whatever, uh, you can reply you can comment you can send us the direct message you can send us a private message any comments or questions that you want right on the air you can do that with any of these avenues and we'll be more than happy to do it one of the reasons we do the watch alongs is because we want to interact with the fans right so all the interactions that we can get we'd love to chop it up with y'all and watch some games and answer your questions or your comments uh so another avenue you can do that lakingscorner at gmail.com that's totally fine you can email the show and the last link or the last uh, place you can find us is this is the only link that's different. Now, if you want to, this is another way to get your questions and comments on the air. But if you like what we're doing here with LA Kings Corner, you want to even donate to the show, give it a small amount, you can do so by going to buymeacoffee.com slash lak corner. That's buymeacoffee.com slash lak corner.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome, Josh. And I really enjoyed uh, listening to the last episode on either Apple Podcast or I believe. Was it on Spotify as well?
1: Yes, yes, yes. I forgot to mention that. If you search LA Kings Corner on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, it will come up. And moreover, uh, it's actually on anywhere you can find your podcast or you listen to your podcast, Samsung, Amazon, whatever. But Apple and Spotify are the ones that we're going to end up being promoting the most. Nice. Awesome.
0: Well, thanks for joining us, folks. Uh, Let's go, Kings. And Josh, great, great chopping it up with you today. It was really fun. We talked a lot about uh, a lot of different things. and you know, um, hopefully had a positive impact there and in a Kings King fan life out there. So, so, uh, we'll talk to you next time.
1: All right, baby, go Kings go.